Quaker podcast where liberty is our mission. Today is Monday, August 25th, 2014. My name is Ben Stone and this is podcast number 379. It'll be part one of two. I had a uh, conversation with my daughter Kai uh, and this is uh, this is part one of, uh, of two hours of that conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, with me is uh, my daughter Kai. Hello. Once, once again, we're back together and uh, podcasting as the only father-daughter anarchist podcasting team in the known universe. Actually, I don't know that that's true anymore. I, I think I saw on my Facebook feed somebody posted a podcast with another father-daughter, but I don't remember any of the details. We will attack their village and savagely destroy it. <laughs> No. We own this. No. This intellectual property is ours. No. We must burn their village. So um, Kai has been on the road uh, working, uh, living an Agora life, uh, working, you know, uh, here and there at this place and that place, mostly for cash, avoiding the evil tax man. Um, This is kind of an update for, not for old-timey listeners that know all this stuff, but for any new listeners that don't know who Kai is. Um, so, uh, Kai, what's been going on? What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Oh, not a whole lot. It It's very strange to me. I live in almost a fantasy world, really, uh, and that's aside from the fact that I do Renaissance festivals. Uh, it when I come down from the Renaissance festivals and I come into the villages and I come into the actual state of America... To see the townspeople? It's very strange to me. It really does feel like I've come down off this mountain and seen the the land all around me just ravaged by horrible war and, and disease of the mind. And, and it actually... It makes me not want to stay out of the fair very much. Like, I... I go out and then I very rapidly come back to my land where it's free and there's no armed thugs roaming the streets. And that really is. There are armed thugs roaming the streets. There like, are. We're we're uh, on the other side of the state, but we're in we're in Missouri and currently while we're recording this, there is essentially a police state that's well, it's always a police state in, in um uh, just outside of St. Louis, but it is in a in a lockdown type police state right now, where there are literally tanks, and you can make an argument: or they're not tanks, they they're not on tracks. But you know, I mean, come on, a tank yeah. is a tank. Armed military vehicles. <clears throat> we can play around with the you know with the label of of what it what it is or whatever, and well, it doesn't have a cannon. Uh, well, I don't care. Yeah. You know. Um, it, it's a matter of degrees. It's not a matter of, of functionality or whatever. And so there, so there are there is essentially an army occupying neighborhoods outside of St. Louis, where in essence you have really what you're looking at is competitive gangs. That's all it really is. You have the gangs in their in their armored vehicles with their you know uh, fully automatic weapons in full military garb. Now, you know, if you think about war, go back to uh, any war prior to World War One, and in most cases, you know, if the if there were really wealthy people involved, like in the Napoleonic Wars, Napoleon was unbelievably rich because he had, you know, plundered so much. So the vast majority of his soldiers, especially his elite guard, were 
consistently uniformed. But unlike what you see on TV, that's an oddity in history. In During the American Revolution, so-called, um, if you watch movies or TV or whatever, you will see uniformed military, and they will all be consistently uniformed. That's a fantasy. Yeah, in fact, the only reason that, well, not the only reason, but one of the major reasons that George Washington was chosen to head the Continental Army was the fact that he had a uniform. Yeah. And he had one for private personal reasons. He had made one himself so that he could parade around and have one. Yeah, because in spite of how people like to you know, imagine the father of our country, come on, really? I mean, who, what? Well, he is the father <laughs> of our country. The The policies that he set up are the policies that we are following yeah. now. It's a policy of fascism. Yeah. It's a policy of overt aggression towards yeah. your own citizens. Cronyism. All, all, the all stuff of those that, things. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, he, uh, he was rich and he had a tailor make for him a uniform. And long before there was any war, he liked to parade around in it and pretend like he was this great commander in the French and Indian War. When in fact... The one thing he was really good at it was retreating. When it came to actual battle, especially in the French and Indian War, his record was horrible. But then once the uh, War of Independence started, he had like one major victory that you could credit to him. And he didn't even want that. That was put in his lap. That was uh, uh, where they snuck across the... And they didn't even hold the land. Yeah, they, they came in, they did a hit on uh, sleeping German troops, on Hessian troops, and they had the British troops a couple miles down the road under the same circumstances. They could have taken them as well, but instead they ran. Mm-hmm. And they retreated back and let go of the land. So, I mean, his and, and the, the only other victories he had were actually accomplished by other field commanders, not George Washington. Yep. So it was like Lafayette or whoever. It was not Washington. But we were talking about uniforms. Right, uniforms. <laughs> So so anyway, so people try to make the distinction that the police are not military, their uniform is different. Well, this that's stupid. I mean, that's just a stupid argument. Yeah. And I don't care if if the if the listener who is offended at me saying that, I'll bet you the person making that argument is mili- is ex-military. Uh-huh. Get that crap out of your brain cuz that's nothing but garbage. Yep. It is not it's not clear thinking. It is it is brainwashed nonsense that has been put into your head, and you need to spew that out like if it's you know like if it's poison, because whether you know if they're wearing one uniform or another uniform, or if it specifically says U.S. Army or or police or whatever, we're still talking about a uniformed group of people who are there with uh, advanced military weaponry, advanced military uh, dress. And they are there for one person, well, one purpose, and one purpose only, and it is the identical purpose that the soldiers were doing in Baghdad and in Kabul and in you know Berlin back in the day. It is military. It is military action. It doesn't matter what silly word you tape onto the soldier's forehead. It's still a military action. And what's happening right now in St. Louis is a military action, and what took place in Watertown... Near Boston, a year ago, was a military action, and it should not be tolerated in what's, you know, we'll use giant air quotes here, a free country. No, you do not live in a free country. If you lived in a free country, you wouldn't have military units in every single city waiting for the opportunity to go through the streets and beat people down into submission, and that's exactly what the police are. And and people in America don't realize that they live in a complete state a police state. They don't realize that because they are so desensitized to it. You know, they see on the television and they see on the news and they see on the media and they talk to each other and it gets to the point where you don't realize that this is not okay, that this is not normal. Yeah. And they walk around in civilian clothing pretending to be civilians while having the complete ability to murder you for no reason at all. This is the Gestapo we're dealing with. This is the SS. Like, what do you, how do you not see that? And, and you don't see it because you're so used to it. You think that it is okay. You think that it's normal. And, and that's part of the thing. You know, when I, the, the lifestyle that I lead, I don't see any of it. I don't 
don't leave my happy little comfort zone. I don't talk to anybody on a routine basis who watches the news. There's nobody in my life on a routine basis that watches the news. I don't know what's going on. And so when I step out of that and I come down off the mountain and I go into the village and I look around, it's mind-blowing that people tolerate this. Because to me, it's so obvious. It's so clear what is happening. And the only reason that it is not so obvious that every single person in this country goes, oh, I'm done, is the fact that it's happened by degrees. It's it's the frog in a in a cook pot. Boiling frog. Yeah. Yeah. You know the the old saying that the best way to that if you put a frog in a cook pot with water and you slowly bring it up to a boil, the the frog won't jump out. But if you throw a frog into boiling water, then the frog will jump out. Which that's I don't know of anybody who's actually experimented with that. But people say that that's not actually true. But oh, but, well, but still sure the concept this, the concept is is valid. Right. And so people think that this is normal, but it's not normal. This is not normal. What is happening in the United States right now is not normal. It is not okay. And if you were to break out of it, if you were to just not look at it, not be in it for just a couple months, and then you walk back into it, man, it's scary out there. Yeah. I should point out, we're recording this. I said in the beginning we're recording this on the 13th of uh, August. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when this is going to be aired, um, probably at least a week from now. Uh, we are, as always, my wife and I are in our RV on the road. We have been to a wedding in Missouri, and we've been on and off the grid. Part of the time we were like way out in a remote uh, on a remote farm, miles away from anything, miles and miles away from the nearest town. Other times we were in several different uh, campgrounds, one of which was really remote and isolated, and we had absolutely no internet, no cell coverage, nothing. We drove for, we, it was almost 20 miles we had to drive just to get cell coverage. It was that big of a dead spot. Within that dead spot was a nuclear power uh, facility and a bunch of prisons and and uh, uh, what are they called youth camps, which was super creepy. Just driving down the road, seeing these youth camps, it just. I wonder broke if my you heart. guys had no cell phone signal because they had scramblers. I was wondering that because there were cell towers. Right. There were cell towers, and we have Verizon and we have um, uh, T-Mobile, and we have never been anywhere that we didn't have Verizon, but we didn't have it there. So I'm wondering if the entire area, if only emergency vehicles had coverage or something like that, and the rest of the whole area was scrambled to try to, you know, as some kind of prisoner or or protecting the... Uh, now, I, I will say this. I, I drove down to the... I was driving around trying to find coverage, driving around with my laptop and my hotspot and my cell phone, trying to find coverage. And uh, I got down to the nuclear power plant, and I thought, I'll bet you I'll have coverage here. And I almost pulled into the driveway, and then I thought, no, it probably wouldn't be good for a guy with a beard and out-of-state plates to be sitting in the driveway of the of the power plant with a laptop and a cell phone and a hot – that's probably, you know, that's not a good idea. That's, that's probably thump you in the head time, you know. And so I didn't want to test uh, the uh, the police state to that extent. So so there may have been coverage at the power plant, but I didn't stop to try. Um, but yeah, it was it was just super creepy. But that's so the reason I brought that up is that a I'm not sure when this will be broadcast and or or released on the internet. And b um, you know uh, we've been very spotty on all this stuff and uh, we've been very busy. We had this wedding to take care of, and there was a lot of there was setting up, and there was tearing down, and there was all the madness that went with it, and there was uh, getting to see some amazing stuff. There was, I, we got to see a uh, a big warehouse-like uh, structure that was full of really, really cool old-time tractors, and I can't show you any of those pictures because it's all top-secret location, and it's all top-secret stuff, and some of that stuff. 
one of the tractors, do you remember how much he said it cost just to get the tractor there? I don't remember. I know he ha- uh, He said one of them was brought in from Argentina. Yeah, that's the one. I think he said it cost more than 100000 just to get the tractor there. Ooh. So, And um, then there was one that uh, was the only privately the only, owned yeah, the only tractor of, 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 of its type. type. And it was originally personally owned by John uh, John Deere. Yeah. Another one of them, there were only three or four ever produced, and he had two of them. Yeah. I can't remember if it was three or four that was produced, and he had that two. That seems greedy. Yeah. There are only three or four. You ought to only just take the one. <laughs> take your fair share. You know, you don't want to steal all the pieces of the pie. They should uh, d- divide it up among all the citizens. Yes, huh? all the workers. Everybody, everybody should get a piece of a tractor. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so you came here specifically for the wedding. And I that did, was really and it was cool. a good wedding, man. It was a it was a very good wedding. It's it's great to see honest, actual people who are just hardworking and who care about each other and who work, mm. you know, to to bring something like that together. And it it was it was a pretty cool event. Yeah, and very libertarian-minded, very, you know, even if they're not full-on anarchist, there was there was a, a universal distrust up to hatred of the government there. I'll tell you, pretty much in my travels, I, aside from, the, there's two groups of people that I've met, and there's the group of people who, and I hate to say it this way, are liberals, um, and they are pro-Obama, pro-government, pro-all of it. Uh, and these are people that, uh, generally speaking, don't... Think? Uh, they don't <laughs> want for things. Yeah. Um, maybe oh, they don't live yeah. the most extravagant lifestyles, but they're not hurting to make every single paycheck. Yeah. And then the vast majority of people that I've met who are working class, they may not be anarchists, they may not even be constitutionalists, but they know something is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you can feel it deep in your heart that this is not right. What we have is not okay. And, and they'll tell you that. And, and they may not be able to pinpoint exactly why you know, this is happening the way it's happening or what should be done about it or any of that. And there is quite a bit of constitutionalist and there's quite a bit of, of that mindset. But they know that it's not right. And a good chunk of them, when you say, what would you rather have, no government or the government we have now, they'll say no government. Yeah. You know. More and more people are realizing that, you know, what does the government really provide for you? Well, you know, the, some people will say the road. Some people say police. Some people will say, oh, the government protects us from the country, you know, on the other side of the ocean or on the other side of the hill or whatever. And and all those – well, of course, all those are based on ignorance. The, the government does not protect you from anybody. The government is the most dangerous thing in existence. Every single government is the most dangerous thing. It's the biggest threat to the people that are stuck with that government. And it uh, has always been that way. That's not anything new. That has always been the way it's always been. As long as there's been government, government is the biggest threat to people. And so, you know, each one of these things, as you take them apart, well, is, are there people in Afghanistan that are really a threat to us? No, no, absolutely not. Well, what about 9-11? Shut up. No. If I go up, to, even if we completely buy the government story, absolutely buy every aspect of the government story, then you still have to say the United States government in Washington, D.C. provoked everything that happened on 9-11. If, we, if the United States government had not been messing with the people of Afghanistan since the 1950s, there would have never been a 9-11 because the people in Afghanistan don't care What's going on in the United States so long as we leave them alone and we have – we. I the, haven't. The United States government has not left the people of Afghanistan alone since the 1950s. And technically even before as far as – you know, they, they'll kind of consider the English as being pretty much the same as the Americans. You know, I mean in their minds there's probably not a whole lot of difference. Right. So in that sense, white English-speaking people – have been messing with Afghanistan people for hundreds of years. 
and have been unsuccessful for hundreds of years. And so, you know, if if governments, if Western governments, let's say it that way, left the people of Afghanistan alone, the people of Afghanistan wouldn't even know there was a Western government, you know? So the only, if you buy 100% of the, of the government-fed story about what happened on 9-11, then you still have to come to the conclusion that Washington, D.C. caused it. There are just as many, and, and I will say this as a fact, there are just as many Muslim people in places like uh, Laos or uh, Java yeah. as there are in Afghanistan, Malaysia. Malaysia. Uh, but we haven't messed with them. Yeah. We, again, the United States government, Western governments, there are haven't probably, messed with them. And so they're not having jihads against us. There are probably more Muslims in Germany than Afghanistan. Probably. But the difference is the United States government is not bombing randomly people in Germany. Yep. If we were, guess what? We'd have a war with Germany. Yep. But, you know, that's the whole thing. So... So so who does the U.S. government protect us from? Certainly not somebody in Afghanistan or Iraq or well, Turkey and the or other thing, Syria. The other thing to think about is that even if you believe 100% that 9-11 was completely unprovoked, and you believe the government line 100%, the government, United States government, kills more of its citizens, its police and its military kills more of its citizens every year than died in 9-11. Yeah. So what's the bigger threat? Yeah. Okay, so we've got maybe, maybe terrorists will come attack us. We already have terrorists attacking us. Their seat is in Washington, D.C., it is a planned attack on the United States, on the, on the, the citizens of America every single day. Yeah, and, and that has uh, like um, tentacles that reach out that we call state governments, and it has tentacles that reach all the way down to the city level and town level. And, you know, let's address this silly thing, too. Here's another silly myth. Well, if we could just, you know, here's the thing. We need, uh, we need secession. We need to divide down to the smallest... To where, uh, you know, first states, independent states need to be separate from Washington, D.C., and then we can get control of state governments, and then we can be that much freer. Like, like, you know, like you could be a degree, a certain degree of freeness, and then you can get down to city level, and we can divide off counties, and each county will, will secede from, from each state. And, and then each, you know, each town will secede from each county. And, 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 and there are people who actually believe this. In spite of the fact that it's never, ever happened before. It's like, okay, here's a fun one for us. Let's believe, let's just believe that at some point in time, um, a, a meteor made out of solid gold is going to fall from the sky and it's going to somehow slow down before it, you know, like it pounds your house to dust. But it's going to fall from the sky and it's going to fall in your backyard. And now, and now let's base an entire political theory on that. And what are the odds of that happening? Well, we don't ever know of that happening before. We have never seen it. Theoretically, it may be possible. But to put your hopes and dreams and ambitions and all, and your, and money, people donate money and buy books that say this nonsense. Who, and what who, kills would, me, who would do that? What kills me is if you look at who is perpetrating the crimes against human beings mm -hmm. within the physical geographical region known as the United States. The federal government, very small amount. The individual states, a much bigger amount. And cities are an even bigger amount. Yeah. You are far more likely to get pulled over, harassed, and killed by a city cop than you are a federal officer. Yeah. 
And so it gets concentrated. The smaller you make it, the more concentrated it is. The bigger it is, the more bureaucratic and bumbling and stupid and slow it is. That's the opposite of what we want to do. Right. We don't want to get it smaller. I don't want to get it smaller. I don't want the person in charge of the state to know who I am personally. The only reason that I can get away with doing what I do is because the government is so big that they don't know who I am. Yeah. That there's so many people that they have to filter through their watch lists yeah. that I retain anonymity because of sheer volume of people. When you begin to cut that down to a smaller size, when Joe next door is the one who's holding the gun, yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah. actually, And this is a really good point. And this is why secessionists uh, are, are living a, a wild dream. It's a fantasy. Because if you have ever been involved in city politics... Oh, it's nasty. It, it is horrible nasty. Though, if, if we can say anything positive about big government is that the bigger it is, the stupider it is, and the better it is. Big, giant, bloated bureaucracies are great because they're so dumb and slow that you can get around them. And they're but, obviously dumb. Yeah. But when you get a government down to the point of where literally they are driving through your neighborhood... You've got a problem, and that's where we're at. It's that's not the federal government that's the problem in St. Louis. It wasn't the federal government that killed a guy on the side of a street because because he didn't jump to the sidewalk quick enough. That was not the federal government. It wasn't the federal government in a Walmart, what was it, last week, that yeah, assassinated so. a guy in Walmart who picked up a product off of the shelf of Walmart and looked suspicious because he was making a phone call while holding it. And some cowardly hero, Marine, was so afraid and so so overwhelmed by the situation that he had to call 911. Instead of if he had actually been heroic, if he had actually been a man and actually had a spine, he would have simply walked over and disarmed the guy if he really thought the guy was a threat. And And this is, you know... This is something that you see, like Marines, of all people in the world, I'll pick on them more because the Navy doesn't really go, go around bragging about how great they are. And very few members of the Army go around bragging about how great they are. There's a few jerks out there, but very few of them do that. There are very few Navy people and very few Air Force people that go around bragging about how tough they are because they're in the Air Force. But Marines do it all the time. Marines who haven't been in the Marines for 40 years still act like they're the biggest and toughest on the block. And it's, it's really stupid. But this Marine was the epitome of Marines. Rather, if he really thought this guy was a threat, according to this half-wit idiot Marine, the guy was pointing this gun at children. You know what? There's a moment when my mind flashes back to that movie Full Metal Jacket where, where, uh, where the, drill the drill instructor walks into the bathroom and the one guy is holding the, uh, uh, the rifle that's loaded and he's sitting on the toilet holding this rifle. And the other guy is standing there with a, with a nightstick. The guy who's on guard duty is standing there with a nightstick. And the, the drill instructor says to the guy with the nightstick, why are you not beating him on the head right now? Now, had that soldier been doing his job, he would have been disarming the soldier with the rifle. But he didn't. He paused and waited for the drill instructor to show up. And because of that... The drill instructor got shot in the chest, and the guy with the rifle shot himself in the head. So because and, – and, and the movie doesn't really portray it like that. I'm just saying, if that guy had done what he's supposed to do, being the guy on guard, he would have immediately disarmed the Marine with the rifle or lost his life doing it. But that's not their training. Their training is to immediately go find a superior officer. Follow and orders. do nothing until the superior officer tells them to do something. Yeah, and see, that's cowardice. It is. That's that's being a robot. And that's so not now acting. you have now you Marines. Have this guy. Marines will tell you that that's not true. There's oh no, we're trained to think and we're trained to adapt and we're trained to be a leader or on the spot and doing this and that. No, you're not. You they tell you that and you're stupid because you believe it. If you had half a brain, you would not believe that nonsense. You would look around you and see what life is really like, and you would see that Marines are just dumb bags of meat that follow orders. You do not think, you just follow orders, and that's exactly what basic training trains you to do. That's why they have basic training, and that's why they have basic training with 
idiots who are 18 years old and not grown men who know better. And everything that you believe that they pumped into your head is a lie. And that Marine who got on the phone and called 911 and stayed on the, on the phone on a 911 call while watching this guy point his toy rifle at kids while thinking that it was a real rifle. You know, I, I've said that weird, but you know what I mean. Right. Um, the fact that he stood by believing it to be a real rifle, well, the guy pointed, in his mind, pointed the rifle at kids means that he's an idiot and a coward. Yep. Why didn't he take his spot as a man and run over and grab that rifle? He was obviously not be, had the rifle pointed at him. At one point, he said to the 911 operator that, uh, that the guy was reloading. Well, Private Pyle, why are you not pounding him in the head right now? That should have been the response of the 911 operator. Yeah. Why are you such a coward that you're cowering and hiding behind the aisle and watching? Why are you not running over there attempting to save people's lives? Because you're an idiot and a coward. It's that simple. So, Marines, just admit it. Admit that you are nothing but a bag of meat. And you do exactly what you are told. And you are trained that way. The dogs that the, that the Marines handle are smarter than the Marines. Because at least they can, you know. Well, and that's exactly what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the pit bulls that are trained for dog fighting. Well, because they're called the dogs of war, and they're they're called that for a reason. Yeah. And it's not because oh, because we're brave like a dog. No, because you're stupid like a dog, and you just do what you're told, even even though you know you're going to die. You yep. don't even think about it. You just obey the command. That's why you're called the dogs of war. It's not meant as a compliment, people. You, they Marines call themselves devil dogs. Now, and and I under I know the reason. I know the whole legend behind it and everything else. But the fact is, it's an insult, and you're too stupid to understand it. Now, uh, right now, there are Marines that are out there that are just screaming mad at me, and they're going to be saying like, "I'll never listen to that podcast again." Good. It's fine. Maybe you'll start thinking at some point in time. Maybe you'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go, you know. That kind of makes sense. Well, at a certain point, you know, you get tired of saying things gently. You t- get tired of, of taking somebody's hand and walking them out of the cage that they allowed themselves to be put in. And you get tired of patting them on the hand and saying, it'll be okay. Everything's all right. You're a good whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And at some point you have to go, look, look is, look at what is around you. Look at what you were doing. Look at this. Would you just stop pretending that this is okay? This is not okay. It is not okay for police to just murder whoever they want for whatever reason they want. It and, is not okay. And there's always an inquiry and they always get time off, paid time off for it. And then they always, it's always justified. Yep. I mean, it's a pattern. And you if know, they're once found in guilty, times, it, it's it not even like they're punished. Yeah. They're dismissed. They generally move two states over and become a cop again. There's a case where there was a cop, I think it was in Sacramento, California. If I recall, I could be mistaken on that. But he had been reprimanded for being violent several times. Now, if he goes so far as he's actually reprimanded, then you know how bad the guy is in real life. There had been several cases where there were accusations that he had been, that he had overstepped the bounds. Some of them he had gotten away with, some of them he hadn't. Eventually, um, he left the police force in medical retirement. Uh, I believe, I can't remember the reason for the medical retirement. But he took medical retirement from, I, I think it was Sacramento Police Department. And Sacramento, most people don't realize that they have a particularly nasty police force. Sacramento mm-hmm. is not a good place to live uh, if you if you don't fit the you know the proper uh, description of what they want in Sacramento. But anyway, so in this long tale that I'm telling here, you would think, all right, well now the guy gets to go and have a legitimate job and maybe contribute something to society and not be a leech that just lives off of the work of other people. No, 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 no. He got hired uh, by the FBI. And the man I'm talking about is the guy, you know, there was uh, two brothers that are accused of the Boston bombing, and uh, one of them was, uh, was killed one night 
when he was there was a whole thing he was accused of, uh, of uh, doing some stuff and then they chased him down and then he suddenly appears at the morgue with his body half cut and half riddled with bullets and you know probably did it to himself right sure well, it clearly looks like a suicide yeah um, and the other one hides in a boat and the cops lock down the whole city go house to house and can't find him and when the cops give up and take stop their lockdown <laughs> Then uh, a citizen, you know, a non-cop, walks into his backyard and discovers the guy hiding in the boat. And then everybody's like, thank you, hero cops, you saved us. Well, then, after all of that took place, a guy who knew one of those brothers like a year earlier, who was also a wrestler and had competed against one of them, but also happened to be Russian of the same uh, area, you know, where those guys were from, um, the FBI starts hassling him, going through and you know threatening to deport him, threatening uh, threatening his wife, um, uh, you know question him, question him, question him, and then let him go, and then pull him back in, question him, question him, let him go, and he's telling his friends these guys are not going to let me out of the country. They, I, I I'm afraid they're going to kill me or something. You know I don't know what they're going to do, and uh, then. Uh, finally, one night, late one night, the FBI shows up at his apartment. One FBI agent and a couple of state thugs from Massachusetts show up at his apartment. And they question him for hours by himself in the apartment. Now, he had just gone through surgery on his knee, so he, he couldn't like get up or move fast or run or fight or anything like that. And he didn't actually have any weapons. In the house, there was a a sword that was a display sword that was mounted on the wall, but it was displayed in a way that you couldn't actually pull it out and use it. It was just a display. It was like what you would buy at the mall, you know. And so um, in the middle of all this questioning, we're told, we're told several things. First, we were told that he pulled a gun on the on the agent, and the agent had to shoot him. Then it turns out there's no gun. So then the spokesman, uh, you know, the liar who was telling the story, the government liar, changes the story. Well, he he pulled a sword and was trying to cut the agent with a sword. Turns out the sword story's fake too. It turns out that's a lie. So okay, so they go. Well, I, I, maybe it wasn't a sword. Maybe it was a broom handle. Yeah, that's likely. That's really likely. He jumped up, grabbed a broom handle, and went after the. You know, and then they tried to say, well, you know, he is a wrestler. His body is a is a is a weapon, right? Oh, uh, okay. So what do you do? Point his finger? You know, well, however it really took place. Here's what we know: he was shot from the back through the back of his head, and then after he hit the ground, in all likelihood, he was shot a bunch more times, including through the foot. And guess who the shooter was? Our Sacramento cop. Nice. That's what happens when a cop uh, is obviously shown to be too violent to be a cop in Sacramento and then retires under a medical retirement because he can't be a cop anymore. And so then the FBI picks him up, doubles his wages or whatever, who knows how much he's getting paid, and then uses him to execute somebody uh, like that. And that's how government works, kids. Yep. That's what... All people tolerate when they tolerate government. And who was really, who was the threat here? Was, do we, are we really supposed to believe that with all those guys in Boston walking around with identical backpacks, and we're supposed to believe that the one guy, um, well, two, the two guys that the FBI says did it, we're supposed to believe they're the ones that did it. When all of those cameras happened to be from every perfect angle to show everything that went on except we don't actually see the brothers putting the bags down and then those bags exploding. But we do see these perfectly framed pictures from from after the explosion of bloody limbs torn off and puddles of blood and and this stuff that has never been shown on national television under 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 any circumstance before because it was always in, considered inappropriate for TV. So we never saw that kind of stuff before. And then all of a sudden, it's it's in vivid, very clear pictures, and now we're, now we're supposed to just say, oh, okay, so now we can show that stuff. Well, if that's the case, if that's really the case, 
then let's see what happened in Walmart because you know it was all filmed. Yeah. Yep. Let's see what happened in Beaver Creek, Ohio, in the Walmart. Because yeah. you know it's filmed. Where's the film? Yep. I want I want to see the film and I want to hear the 911 calls because you know those are all recorded. I want to hear them. I want to see them. I want to know where the cops were when the 911 call came in. Because how do you how do you you've driven in Beaver Creek? Yeah. How do you get from anywhere in Beaver Creek to the middle of a Walmart in two minutes? How do you get from the parking lot to the middle of a Walmart in two minutes? Not only the middle of the Walmart, but the middle of Walmart and the dude dead yeah. in two minutes. Because keep in mind, the sporting goods area and the, and the toy section are always at the very back of the store. I can't even imagine making the decision to kill somebody in two minutes. Yeah. Even if you get there and you look at him and you say, okay, he's got some sort of weapon. We're going to, hey, you know, you need to let's establish verbal contact. Like there's a whole list of things that you're supposed to do when you're dealing with essentially hostage situations. And, and, and it, they didn't do any of it. They just rolled up and killed him. And in the, <clears throat> what, almost 200-year history of Beaver Creek, there's only been two times that a cop killed somebody. And guess what? It's the same cop. Fancy that. I bet he's on, he's on his fast track to the FBI. <laughs> Keep up that good work. You'll be working for the government. Well, I guess he already is technically working for the government. Anyway, so what do we have that's pleasant to talk about? Uh, I wanted to talk about drugs. <laughs> okay, that's pleasant. <laughs> so I have noticed a, dis a disturbing trend. And that is, I have not met any, let's say, 25 and lower, although I've met quite a few in the, in the 30s uh, range of young men. I have not met any young men under the age of 25 who have not been on uh, some form of like Ritalin, ADHD or... medication, Ritalin, yeah. Adderall. Um, there's another one, but I don't remember its name, but it's the same thing as Ritalin. Um, and for females, they don't often put them on ADHD, although more and more they are putting them on ADHD medications. Um, but they're putting them on anti-anxiety and depression medications uh, and specifically ones that work off of dopamine and norepinephrine. Now, it's an interesting thing because at the exact same time, we see a dramatic rise in the usage of methamphetamines. Uh, methamphetamines. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that we're taking children and we're putting these kids on ADHD medicine at like four, like literally four years old and they're being fed amphetamines. Because that's what Adderall is. It's an amphetamine. And that, that's not what Ritalin is. Ritalin is a different drug, but it works pretty much the same way. It works off dopamine and norepinephrine. Um, so we're getting them so used to, on a daily basis, functioning off of speed. Mm -hmm. And then they hit about 18, <clears throat> and they're dropped off all of it because... They get old enough to stop taking the medication. Well, they're not. They don't want anymore. to take it. They get irritated that they're being forced to take it, and so they turn to drugs. And as it turns out, meth is widely available. <laughs> shock, shock, shock. And it, it's very interesting to me. I any time that I come down and actually live in the mundane world for any amount of time, it's case after case after case of oh well that person's getting clean off meth or that person is back on meth or or we had to kick this person out because he's back on meth or you know oh you don't want to go down into those bits because that's where the meth kids hang out and and it's interesting to me that there is such a market for a drug that you are essentially spoon feeding children from the time they can walk and talk. And I, I have a very hard time. I'm not going to sit here and say that there's some 
giant round table of pharmaceutical bigwigs in their business suits and petting cats saying, <laughs> let's get the youth of America addicted to the meth. But I do think it's interesting that the number one drug that is ha- that that is a problem in the United States right now is also the number one drug that is prescribed to children. Mm. Like to me, there has that cannot be coincidental. Well, you have to don't don't let. I, <laughs> that's true. It could be coincidental. Correlation yeah. does not equal yeah. causation. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> don't, don't get taken in that fallacy. I, although. Um, you know, well, here's here's a, po- a couple possible alternatives to to uh, correlation and causation. Um, it could be opportunity. The reason that meth is being uh, taken at such high rates is because so many kids are being yanked off of the uh, off of the the med- the uh, pharmaceutical type at around the age of eighteen or so. Mm-hmm. So that creates a market for it. That market being created, of course, the black market will step in and fill fill that desire. Also, you have a very clear links. I'll go back and pick on the government a little bit more. There are very clear links between the CIA and meth. So, um, so as kids and heroin too. I mm-hmm. mean, that link is well established. So, um, as kids are coming out of high school and they're no longer being, they're no longer on their parents' insurance, so insurance no longer pays for the pharmaceutical meds. And they no longer have a teacher saying, without the meds, this child is, you know, I can't handle this child because then the teacher would like, you know, have to do her job and, and right. actually work and things like that. We don't want teachers. Those, those blessed angelic beings that everybody praises so much, you know, teachers, oh, doo, doo. it's like, like a, a trumpets should sound when they enter the room, right? Uh, we, we wouldn't want them actually having to stand up and do their job and work, right? right. So, so in Instead, we just drug the kids until they get out of school, and when they get old enough, then uh, then the pharmace- then the um, uh, the pharmaceutical grade is not available for them because they're not on their parents' insurance. They're out on their own. They're or they're you know they have to get a job, and you can't be drugged out when you're trying to do a job like you were when you were 16. Yep. So um, so they're forced off of the pharmaceutical medications, but they still want that. And so they've been available. so long taking it. Yeah. That. They literally can't function without it. Yeah. And, and that actually, I wanted to bring that up too, because it's a self-perpetuating cycle, right? So you have this four or five year old boy and, and I'm going to, I'm going to say boy and I'm going to use mostly male because it is mostly males. Yeah. Um, well, males are high energy. They are, you know, we're, I mean, it's true. We're the hunter half mm-hmm. of the hunter gatherer group. Mm-hmm. This is why humanity has been so successful is because, um, in spite of, you know what might be politically correct to say there are specific female roles and specific male roles and not every male excels in every male role and not every female excels in every female role and there's you know it's there's crossover and there's different personalities and all this kind of thing and 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 all that's true but essentially in a natural setting it was the male who had the hunting skills and the female that had the gathering skills and together we work together as a species and functioned. So the males have a tendency to want to wrestle around when they're five and chase things and run. And the females have less of a tendency to want to do that. They have more of the mothering, you know, tendencies and more of the communal tendencies. And I mean, that's, that's, there's nothing to be ashamed of that that is the normal way people function. So of course you've got to, you've got to take away those natural male tendencies Either through hormonal variations, pump the kid full of soybeans, pump the kid full of hormonal drugs, or pump them full of a brain-altering drug like meth. And there's this known phenomenon, and I don't remember the name of it. I should have looked it up on Wikipedia before we began podcasting. But it's an actual medical thing um, where children have the opposite effect of medications. Mm, it is yeah. a known Where fact. Where uppers bring them down and downers bring them up. Uppers bring them down and downers bring them up. And mm-hmm. so what happens is you take this four or five year old child and they go into school or they go into preschool and the, the teachers say, man, this kid is out of control and you need to put him on drugs. 
So they put them on drugs. And whether they have ADHD or not, the medication for ADHD calms them down because they're a child. Right. And because uppers work as downers and downers work as uppers in children. And so they become calm. And so the parents think, oh, man, that ADHD medication really does work. I guess my kid has ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so kid now has ADHD. Now, because the teacher has a class full of kids on ADHD medications, when a child who is not on ADHD medications comes in, They appear to be crazy and wild out of control. And so they go to the parents and they say, parents, you need to put this child on ADHD medication because he's clearly out of control. When actually the kid is acting normal. Yeah, the kid is acting normal. It's just you don't know what normal looks like. Yeah. You have only seen drugged out children for 20 years now. That's all you've seen as a teacher is drugged out children. And so when a child comes in and is loud and boisterous. Mm hmm. Put them on ADHD medication. And Drug them out. There's an easy solution for this. Of course, the easiest solution is, you know, kill the government. But right. above and beyond that, the easy solution is don't put your children in prison. Yeah. School is prison. School yeah. is nothing but, you know, it, it's day camp for kids because parents have all these other things to do. And we're taught in society you have to do this. And there are laws telling us if you don't do this, we'll come and take your children anyway. You know, so there's all kinds of threats, all kinds of, uh, you know, force and aggression is, is behind all of this. But if you just make the conscious decision that I will not cooperate, I will not put my children in prison for essentially a 13 year prison sentence. That's 12 years of school and one year of kindergarten. And even more if they go into preschool before that. And even more if they go into college after that. Yeah. And what is it you're teaching your child? You're going to prison for no reason whatsoever and you have no choice in the matter. And more and more, high schools specifically, but grade schools also, are more and more looking like prisons. Mm -hmm. And prisons are more and more looking like big high schools, the big mega schools, more and more. Um, You know, I was complaining earlier about the the prisons there in that area of Missouri where we were at. And, And prisons in Missouri are really becoming... Uh, a serious industry you know they're they're like investors selling uh, on on wall street they're buying and selling stocks and bonds based on you know the on the growth industry because that's what the prison system is it is business it is a growth industry and it's going to get bigger and bigger and the excuse is well you know um or not the excuse but one of the things that detractors will say in this is that well but we're changing we're getting involved in politics we're changing marijuana laws we're gonna we're gonna well you know what uh the governments and and this is something that uh i think it was when i talked to bob murphy we we talked about this um governments are going to uh as the united states and as state by state as they lose more and more control over the people and as more and more people realize the government is nothing but oppression it's nothing but thieves and robbers and thugs as more and more people realize this the governments are going to relax their hold on um, on marijuana, and they're going to allow marijuana to be used and sold and distributed under very controlled circumstances. They're going to allow it to appease the people. Now, it's no different than in, 19, in the early 1930s when they repealed prohibition of alcohol. It's no it's no different. You know, when you threaten government enough, they'll give you some of your cookies back. They'll give you some of your lunch money back. But all they're doing is appeasing you. They will bring more oppression in other directions. Yep. They will make up for it. The The prison population is going to continue to rise even if marijuana is legalized. And so all of the ideas that, well, we'll just get involved in politics and change things from inside, those people are as naive and silly as the people who think that you're going to uh, secede the state from the union and then secede your county from the state and then secede your city from the county and then secede your neighborhood from the city. No, you're not. They'll shoot you. Yeah. If you don't cooperate, they'll shoot you. Yep. If your state decides it's going to secede, no, it won't. There's something called the United States military that will prevent that from happening. Yep. It, they will. At this point in time, that is a proven fact. 
state secession is not going to work, and they will use violence, and they will stop it. It couldn't work in the 1800s when the United States military was a fraction of what we have today. Yeah, and people actually had a concept of, of freedom back then, and it didn't work. Yeah. So it's not going to work now. Now, here's the other thing. The, so whether we're talking about secession or whether we're talking about getting involved, getting elected into politics and trying to change it from within, either way, either level of naivety of either of these two theories, there's one thing, just one thing that proves that this will never, 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 ever, ever ever work. And that is this silly notion that those thugs, those evil people who are willing to murder to stay in power will suddenly go, oh, looks like you won that election. See you later. I'm out of here. And they will let go of the reins of power. Oh, or man, that they will I say, I really liked being in charge of everybody. All right. I guess not. Yeah. See ya. Or, or like they will suddenly say, what? Utah doesn't want to be a part of the of the United States anymore. Okay, go ahead, break off. You really are naive enough to believe that, people? Come on. Going the, back to marijuana. This is fantasy stuff. Go ahead. Going back to the marijuana reform thing. I don't want marijuana to be legalized. I don't want it to be legalized. I don't want to have to pay taxes on a plant. Gardenias are not legal. You don't have to have a permit to go grow gardenias yet. You don't have to have a permit to grow carrots yet. So why? Why do I have to go and pay the government for a plant? Why? Why do I have to go and feed the government and how is that a good thing look at look at colorado everybody says oh colorado yay colorado the, we've 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 legalized marijuana and they've pulled in just bajillions and bajillions of tax money great now colorado's even better off now colorado's state government is stabilized now colorado is stealing more every day from its citizens than it ever has Way to go, Colorado. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Colorado. You just agreed to have thugs in the Colorado state government steal from you every time that you want to smoke a plant. Way to go. You know, it's one of the silliest phrases <clears throat> ever, and there's so many people that were so proud of it, and that was um, legalize it, regulate it, and tax it. You want that? That that sounds like a good thing to you? Yeah. Is your mind so washed with nonsense that you think the phrase legalize it, regulate it, and tax it is a good idea, something you should brag about? Then let's start with the fundamentals. What is government? Government is aggression. Government is thugs taxing you for things, taking money from you simply because you have it and they want it. That's theft. All taxation is theft. You're wanting to voluntarily give up what was in the free it was in the black market, the free market. Mm -hmm. What was a simple transaction? You want to give up that freedom just so that somebody in government can give you permission? That's really uh, that's I, I I never understood that even for a second. It's My like, what? My advice to anybody who lives in Colorado or Washington or anywhere else for that matter, and not just about marijuana, about everything, buy it on the black market. Everything. I want you to buy everything on the black market. I want you to buy marijuana on the black market. I want you to buy milk on the black market. I want you to buy tennis shoes on the black market. If you can get it by not giving money to the state, if you can buy it in a way that it does not get taxed and you are not feeding the state, do it. Buy everything you can buy on the black market. Because the black market is the free market. It is the open market. Yeah. And for that matter, take as much as you can from the government. It It's really that old pirate mentality. Take as much as you can. Give nothing back. Yeah. I applaud every single person on welfare. Good. 
Good job. Take more. Take as much as you can. You know what? If you can get Medicare, take it too. Take every single thing that you can get from the government and give as much, give as little back as you possibly can. And you know, um, there are a surprising amount of people in, uh, that are liberty, liberty minded that, that can't wrap their mind around that concept, first mm-hmm. off. And that, and that are stuck in that old conservative way of thinking that, uh. I don't want my tax dollars paying for that. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, uh, they're too, I'm not gonna take welfare handouts. I'm, t- I'm above that or whatever, whatever. You know, um, but you're, you're, you, you're stuck in that, uh, old Republican conservative mentality that somewhere, and it's, and it's a socialist mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, you need to stop and realize that the government is nothing but thieves. And if you can get anything back from them, do it. That's what they really are. They are nothing but thieves. And, uh, you know, it's not like there's a limited amount of this money and the government, if they don't give it to the poor, then they'll be able to build more bridges with it or something like that. No, they're going to just keep making more. Yeah, they'll make as much as they can spend. Your tax dollars disappear as soon as you pay those taxes. The second that you pay those taxes, they just get swallowed up by this debt that we live in. Yeah, and and cutting out a certain amount of spending, or you know, all that stuff is mythology that's taught to Republicans to keep them from thinking. That's what that is. Yeah. And and if there's anything that the that the liberals and the Democrats understand, it is that point that all the money that the government spend, you the government cannot, uh, you know, not spend. It's gonna it, as much money as it can give out. It should. All the way to the point of where the government collapses. That would be great. That would be yep. the best, and that's what will eventually happen. But we need to make that happen as quickly as possible. We need to not have the government being conservative and spending less. It's no, the way spend the un- everything. It's the way you, the United States crippled the Soviet Union. It's yeah. economic terrorism. That's yeah. what it is, and, and it's can, our best tool. We can do that to the government by simply following the government's rules. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not saying falsify government documents. To collect something, unless you can pay the penalty. Yeah. If you can pay the penalty, you think you can get away with it? Go for it. Yeah. I'll even say that. Yeah. You know, I've said before, um, hackers who think the way we think shouldn't be trying to figure out how to hack this or hack that. They should be trying to figure out how to get into the government's um, uh, computers and create new people that don't exist. And then get those people on welfare, get those people on disability, or get those people, you know, get them a government job. Yep. Uh, if we could get, you know, if you could get a thousand people um, who are false identities all hired by the IRS, IRA, IRS, ooh, boy, almost a Freudian slip there. If you could get a thousand employees working for the IRS, all drawing salaries from the IRS, all non-existent. All those salaries coming into bank accounts, um, supervisors, managers, you know, office workers, independent contractors, a thousand of them, and all that money coming into bank accounts and then siphon it off, send it in, put it in, convert it to Bitcoin, and then get it into the the hands of liberty-minded people. There's no reason why there are so many liberty-minded people that are struggling so bad for money. If if we would all get together and start, and I don't, I don't mean actually get together, but because we need to be diversified, yeah, you know. But as much of that kind of thing as can take place, we had we're not, we're not going to say any names at all in what we're about to talk about. But we had the extreme pleasure of meeting someone in the last week or so that is, in a sense, he's not creating false identities. But he's doing what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He is making money in the black market. And I have to say... He is a shining example of agorism. Yeah. And and he is totally stealth. He is everything that I... You know, in my series on, um, on, on going beyond civil disobedience, I said... You know, if you're driving a car, you do not want to drive a car with, you know, 420 sticker on the back or a bad cop, no donut for you, nothing like that. 
if you're really a serious activist, you're going to look like every you're going to look like Barack Obama, you're going to look like Nancy Pelosi, you're going to look like a banker, you're going to look like a merchant of some kind, like like you work in a grocery store, like like you belong where you're supposed to be. You're not going to you're not going to stand out. You're not going to have you're not going to look like me. You're not going to be all hairy and ugly and look scary. Yep. You are going to look like you could walk into any Baptist church and sit down in the pew and they would say, "Oh, hey, welcome aboard." You're going you're gonna to look like you could walk into any jewelry store and they never suspect you of being the guy who's going to rob them. And the time has come for self because we are at that point. We yeah. are at the point where if you stand out, you're going to be singled out. Yeah. They this, are looking for people yeah. to to just be like their the martyrs. Guy, just like the guy that they <clears throat> murdered in, in outside of uh, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He, he was murderable. Yep. You could you, you get away with it. knowing the cop knowing that he could do it is why it happened. Yep. Same thing in Walmart. There's a black guy in Beaver Creek Walmart. Shoot him. Yep. Now, the guy that we're talking about here that we have met could literally walk into any church and sit down and nobody would even notice him. He could walk into a bank, he could walk into a grocery store, he could walk into I would venture to say he could walk into a Walmart Buy a shotgun, because in some Walmarts you can buy shotguns. Yeah. Buy a shotgun, sling it over his shoulder, walk around the Walmart several times, and then walk out, and probably nobody would say anything about it. Probably. They literally wouldn't notice him. Yep. He he could blend in like that. And the reason I'm bringing him up, we've had a lot of donors over the years that have helped put this podcast on the air, and well, you know, on the internet, and keep it on. And donors that were so kind, they sent us all the way up to Porkfest what three times now that I that I've been to Porkfest twice for you and mm-hmm. twice for Cindy, um, donors have made that possible, and I appreciate each and every one of them. And where we sit right now, that guy has donated more than any other single person during that in all the years that we've done this podcast. That guy donated more. And it wasn't just the donation that he made directly for us. The, the, the risk that he took to make sure that that wedding took place and all the details that are involved that are far more than I can talk about is probably more um, financial involvement than all other donators to the Bad Quaker podcast combined. Yep. And that's that's the kind of a guy this is. That's the kind of um, – and, and this is a person who using the principles that we have talked about over and over and over on this podcast. Without knowing those principles. Yeah, he's not – no, he doesn't sit around and read Rothbard. He's, this is not a guy who has studied the works of, of Robert Higgs. This is not a guy who can quote Mises. And yet he's been living those principles for years and years and years. Because he he knows what's right and what is wrong. And that's the key right there. He knows what's right and what's wrong. And he does what's right. And he does what's right for his family and his community. And he walks around in his community and he knows pretty much everybody. And none of them know what he does. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty. That's how this thing can be won. And, folks, that's where I have to cut it off for today. Uh, be sure and watch uh, for when I post the, the second half of this conversation I had with Kai. And be sure and get over to badquaker.com, where liberty is our mission. Thank you very much for listening today, folks.